0: Welcome to Diverse Tech Founders, a podcast about the one thing older than capital—people like you and me. Now, here's your host, Abraham J. Williamson. So, welcome back to the Diverse Tech Founders podcast. This is another episode here in the New York studio. Today, we have Daryl Hallman Jr., who's going to come and regale us with all things revival fun. Uh, Daryl has a dynamic background a uh, designer, ecosystem builder, and now a founder. And we're going to get into more about what Revival Fund is because I think most of the people listening are going to enjoy some of the content here. So, Daryl, welcome to the studio. And first, we're going to start off where we always start off, which is not you sitting in front of us now, but you back when you were younger. So the next question is, would younger you be friends
1: with you today? Uh, I think so. I think that younger me would uh, find what I'm doing interesting. And I don't like younger me would be like a little bit disconnected. I think the moment in time where like there would really be a connection was like uh, when like, uh, you know, iPhone first launched and you, you know, you could, or even the iPod touch and you could see those apps for the first time. And I remember like thinking to myself, like, yeah, I wouldn't be one of the people doing that. And like having like built an app and got it to thousands of users, I think that like like younger me would find, I guess, present day me quite fascinating.
0: Okay, let's rewind a clock. You actually answered our next question, which was earliest touch of technology. So let's rewind the clock back even before you got introduced to technology, as you were just trying to figure out yourself in the world. Talk about that person and if you see any evidences of that person with you today and if you would connect on that level.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, let's see, before I got connected, like, I don't know, like, uh, you know, I'm a, I'm a millennial. And so I think uh, our first, like, uh, or my first connection to technology would be like MySpace. Um, uh, and so, you know, like, uh, the, I was on there, you know, like editing the code and all that. And so like, those are some, like my choices, like, you know, one of my early, not earliest memories, but, um, that was middle school for me. And so I didn't really like, I guess, like see that as like me being in technology at that time. Uh, I think and like, I really didn't even see technology as like a career pathway until it was about like my sophomore year in college. And, you know, it was just like, uh, interactive and like, you know, my iPod touch. Uh, I remember going to, like, the school library and, like, uh, getting, like, how to build apps for dummies. And I guess, like, you know, trying to use that as, like, uh, the the turning point and, like, uh, taking my career into technology. That did not work at all. But, you know, eventually years later uh, in like, grad school and getting started on YouTube before transitioning here to New York, that's where, like, I really got involved uh, in terms of, like, you know, teaching myself Photoshop, the the early elements of, like, coding. And then when I moved to the city, I was able to, like, take advantage of free classes, which, you know, made me even better. And eventually led to me, like, launching an app and, you know, eventually a venture back startup. So where were you coming from? Uh, so I'm from Columbus in Michigan originally, uh, and I went to school at Eastern Michigan, undergrad and
0: grad. I was actually just at that campus. Very nice. I don't know if you've been lately, but they are building it up, man.
1: yeah. There's more, uh, tech investment, uh, like they have like the game above, uh, college of technology now. Uh, I was like, uh, an office assistant in the college of technology. That was like supposed to be my bridge. The thing was like, uh, I don't know, like I was like an underclassman and I had never done anything in technology. Uh, when you're trying to get into the comp side department, like they usually like, you know, you got to do like some kind of like calc class or something like that, which isn't really related to like the stuff I do now in tech, but like, I guess like that gave me a lot of like imposter syndrome. And then it's also like, how do I get out of here in four years, Uh, which kind of like led me in a different direction. But I'm glad things can end up coming back around.
0: So talk about that. So you were comp side and what did you switch into?
1: Well, so like I was never a comp side major. It was just like I, I, you know, saw like I saw that things were happening with technology. And I saw that like, you know, like there's this like device now where you can just like you tap on the screen. It's not even a button anymore and things start to happen. It's just like, these people are moving the world. And that made me want to like, go do that. Uh, You know, like I'm, you know, spending all this time learning, like, let's learn something that's like, I don't know, like, that really challenges me. You know, it just, it just didn't work out at the time. That makes
0: sense. But it's working out now, because you are now founder of Revival, yeah. uh, which is a, a startup that's doing something pretty cool. And just kind of walk us through, talk about what is Revival? And from where did this idea originate bring us up to speed what you've been up to and what is this thing and where did it come from
1: so i guess like in short the the one sentence description is that revival helps borrowers buy out and eliminate their debt at the same price that it sold to debt collectors uh most people don't know that like their debt usually is sold in the aftermarket for sometimes pennies on the dollar and essentially what we do is like we unlock that discount and pass it on to borrowers uh and so i guess like my introduction uh to I guess like the, the world of debt was, uh, you know, I guess doing work uh, in student debt advocacy. And so uh, I designed the websites for both uh, student debt crisis. Most people know them for their work with Elizabeth Warren and Chuck Schumer and the debt collective. Most people know them from their work with AOC and Bernie Sanders. And so through my experience at the debt collective, that's where I learned about like, you know, buying debt and like how that system worked. And so like I was fascinated by the work that they were doing. And I was like, how can I do this to buy back my student loans? And so like, I guess like that's like kind of like the journey I'm on, uh, you know, just trying to see if like there is like any validity in the system where that can happen and we'll see what happens.
0: All right. So if I'm sitting on one hundred and fifty thousand dollars worth of debt or more because I decided to go to dental school or law school or business school or medical school, really any school beyond your bachelor's degree. You're talking about six figures these days. Usually if I'm sitting on that kind of debt. What am I going to get from revival that I'm not going to get elsewhere from these other relief programs?
1: Yeah. So the thing is, like, uh, if, if you're sitting on that kind of debt, we really can't afford to help you to go to those, like, you know, those white guys out there to give us more money, but we don't have like the buying power to be able to like c- take that kind of debt off the market. Cause when you're buying it in bulk uh, and you're talking about like, you know, multiple hundreds of thousands of dollars, uh, it's just really hard for us to be able to do that at this point. Uh, right now we're focused on like much uh, smaller scale. Uh, and so we're talking about balances of like a thousand dollars uh, and we're working with borrowers at that price point with the hopes of eventually, you know, being able to get to that point. But right now that's where we're at.
0: Cool. So not yet, but there's
1: still hope at some point in the future we could get there. Well, like that's the pie in the sky goal. That's the entire reason I'm doing this is being able to get to that point. And so like if we're successful here, uh then I would say that we would be successful there. But it's just like, you know, like that's, you know, like step one, uh, let's do a successful pilot and then like hopefully. uh we'll- So let's talk about the early success,
0: specifically what traction have you seen so far that gets you even more committed to this goal? You could have quit up to this point because buying debt is not as easy as you're making it sound. So what evidence of traction did you see that w- made you want to keep
1: going? I think the when I think of traction, I think about like uh, how deep into the industry that I can get. Right. Um, and it's like, you know, not just like on the advocacy side, but also like how much debt are we even able to access? Because, you know, like a traditional deck, like they don't want you letting people eliminate their debt for 10 cents on the hour. You know, like they don't want that. They want the, the full amount. And so, uh, you know, being able to like uh, build up like a funnel that's like, you know, like more than $7 billion worth of debt that we can like, you know, access. Uh, I think that that gives us like a lot of room to run with, uh I guess, like in terms of like as a tech startup. But like, I guess like what we really want to do is prove out the pilot and show that like people actually do want to take advantage of this uh which we we think that people do but like that's kind of like what we're looking for cool now I want to ask you just straight up how do you make
0: money because you're talking about pennies when people have dollars but how do you make your money
1: in this whole thing how do you envision that work so basically when we buy uh people's debt in bulk and we allow them to eliminate it uh we take a small spread and uh that's really largely just to keep the cycle going and we want to like grow over the lifetime of you know people's like I guess like borrowing uh future um, and help them make smarter choices in the future. Uh, but then that also unlocks a lot of revenue potential down the line.
0: Cool. So now we want to talk networks. Uh, that's largely how we got connected. I think we we met at a really cool event back in Brooklyn a few years ago. Uh it was our first kind of encounter. And so in keeping with that theme, in what ways has your personal network provided some unexpected value for you? I'm like an, another way, in our line of work, you're often going to come across people who are pretty upfront about this is the value I can add, this is the exchange, but who kind of surprised you a little bit in your personal network where you thought, huh,
1: I wasn't expecting that, but I'm glad that you came when you did. Uh, I, th- I think in terms of, like when you like look specifically at the journey of revival, one of the biggest ads to the team was an intro that you made, <laughs> And So, uh, you know, I was like kind of like very new to the space and things like, I, you know, like I... Barely knew what I was doing. I, I knew like five minutes more information than everybody else. And so uh when you introduced me to Henry, that really helped, you know, give me like a, a further understanding. Uh, just even like with everything I'm looking at in terms of the debt industry, uh, he's able to like, you know, put a second set of like expert eyes on it. And, you know, it just gives a business that much more validity that, you know, he's been in the game for more than 20 years. And you know, like he's putting his time and effort and energy and like, you know, making connections, uh, all you know, like to so that you know revival can be successful. And yeah, that was a heavy connection, man. <laughs> well glad we could be helpful. Uh mostly Henry
0: Beasley the third doing his thing on that. And just goes to show you how, you know, when you know relationship or conversation can really make a huge impact in what you're doing. Uh so speaking of impact, uh, in what way specifically Positive ways has this whole founder journey, VC experience and what positive ways has it
1: impacted your life? It's both a humbling and a rewarding experience. Humbling and you know, when you first launch anything, it typically sucks and you realize that you do not have the magic touch at all. But over time, when you build and you know, you get things to work and you know, people start to respond to like the things that you're building, it's really rewarding because you're putting something in the world that just wasn't there before. And I think. That that uh, gives you purpose when you go into like I guess like every day of your life, um, and I think as long as that's there, that's like motivation to keep going.
0: Agree with that. Now you may or may not be in the market for a co-founder. Maybe you are. Maybe you aren't. Regardless of that factor scenario, if you were going to build a co-founder from scratch based on your skill sets, based on what you have, and them filling in that gap to be able to build a superstar team duo trio however you envision it what are you looking for to fill out your team
1: yeah I think uh when I think about like I guess like designing it like designing a co-founder from scratch like uh it feels a lot like you know like here's how I would define like I guess like my wife from scratch uh, which is like I don't know, that it's a tall order and you know, like I guess we're open to people who are like highly motivated and like you know very interested in like you know solving like this huge problem that's going on. Uh, I think, you know, some of the, the people who I've worked uh, best in tandem with are, like, back-end devs. I typically would handle anything front-end development. They'd handle anything back-end development. You know, people who have, like, experience in the debt industry and people, like, who are able to, like, uh, see things that I wouldn't otherwise see. I mean, like, I uh, help us to be able to take advantage of that as a company and, like, pass that value on the borrower.
0: Okay. So front-end developer. Uh, let's dig a little bit deeper there because there are folks who maybe have some creative energy that they want to express. Maybe they draw, they're an artist in some type of way. What would you say to somebody who wants to get into tech and sees front-end development as a way of going about that? Uh, for example, a lot of people want to immediately go to building the product, but oftentimes having a good Design sketch will go further in the beginning than just immediately trying to communicate verbally to a developer what to build, so to speak, for the MVP. So, just talk about that. If you're new to it, what would you, what advice would you have for somebody looking to get into front end development?
1: If someone's looking to get into front end development, I definitely would say uh, look for like a free course. And so, I, you know, got started in like the actual development process through the the Harlem Business Alliance and the Knowledge House, both of which offered like you know like free programming classes. Uh, so that's, a, like, a great place to start. I also, in terms of, like, uh, wanting to build something out, I wrote a series called, like, The First 1,000 Users. Uh It details, like, uh, you know, most of the work that I did leading up to launching my last app, and it, it really helps, like, people go through that process. Uh, you mentioned, like, you know, like, I guess, like, designing things out before you start to touch the code. Uh, I recommend everybody go to Figma. It's free. Uh, there's plenty of templates online. So, like, whenever I see someone with an interface that doesn't look good, it's like, did you look at Figma? Did you look at Figma Crush resources? Uh, like there's just like so much like, uh, to really make your product that much better when you launch it, uh, that's out there and it's free. And I I would advise people to take advantage of that. And also like, you know, like read the series. Uh, I, I try to make things as like simple as possible. And if you don't like reading, uh, in each of them, there's like a little slide deck where basically it's like the, the high level points that you can take away from like, I guess like what I learned through that process. A little
0: cheat code there. Life hack. Definitely take. Take up on that, and I will explore that too because design and how things look says a lot about the intentionality around what you're doing. Uh, you are Daryl, one of the more resourceful people that I've met. I noticed that about you, and even if it comes across in the way you communicate as well. So I am particularly interested in how you respond to this question, which is our million dollar question: How would you spend a million dollars? Now, this isn't you know I'm you know backing you in a particular way. This is just if you got a windfall. A million dollars in cash, no strings attached to it. What are you doing
1: with that cash? I think uh, so. So we're raising a pre-seed round right now. And uh, essentially, like that's like a question that I have to answer on a pretty regular basis. Um And so like right now, the next three months are dedicated to like proving out the pilot and showing that this thing works. Uh So let's say we're successful there. The next thing is like we get a much larger portfolio. Right now we have uh, 1.5 million under management. Uh, we would jump to like something like uh, acquiring at 250k. And then like that would give us like roughly like if at the same price, 250 million under management, which would bring like us a lot more borrowers and like be able to help a lot more people. And so we'd use that to like, you know, like help build out the team and like uh help us be able to do that smarter over time. But the main spend there is like uh going after those larger portfolios, getting more people into our system. Um, and then also uh, helping with like uh, the regulatory side of things uh, and like Largely, like, it's like high level. That's where we we're going. That makes a lot of sense. Speaking of
0: sense, it's no surprise that you've gotten at this point because you've had a lot of people impart good wisdom, good knowledge, good sage advice to you. If you were going to, to pull one of those conversations down from the sky, what would you describe as the most profitable piece of advice that you've received since you first started building out this minimal viable product? What is the most profitable
1: piece of advice you've received? Just talk about that. I really like, I forget who made the quote, but it's like, if you're unembarrassed by your first product, then you've launched too late. And I think in launching an app before, which like when we first launched it, like literally like, so like there's a thing in, in tech called like a touchable opacity. And for one of the buttons, the touchable opacity was so big that it covered up all of the buttons on the screen. So essentially you would push any button on there and nothing would work except for one button. So it's a huge flaw in there. And so what I learned through that experience and like being able to go from like a, essentially launching an app that on day one just doesn't work at all and being able to get like 10,000 or more people on there. What I learned from that was that launching is, I guess, like less important. It's like more important, like how you build over time and, you know, just improving things like, you know, day by day, small step by small step. Uh That's way more important than like having a sexy launch and like, you know, uh, the huge sign up list. Like. Build something that people want. People will talk about it and more people will come and it'll grow over time uh, and a lot faster than you would expect. That's good. Building is, is what you do. But
0: there's other professions, if you will, that are also in the creative space in their own way, particularly artists broadly defined. So that could be a musical artist, singer, instrument, dancer. People teaching a variety of classes or or doing a variety of things in Central Park or, or Marcus Garvey Park or what have you. Like, is there a particular artist that you draw inspiration from that you can point to and say, this is the person that I really tap into when I'm trying to reach that higher plane?
1: I don't think there's like a specific artist that I really like tap into. One of the things that I do that does help with like my process is, um, I'll listen to music and I do my daily walks in Central Park it's a a daily ritual for me and like before i get my day started before you know all the investor meetings uh you know I just take time to like walk think process and like it's like that really helps like my creative process and so like you know of course there's art involved so i'm listening to music the entire way but like even like central park was designed by somebody and there's like a lot of like uh design work that went into that and so i think that like it's uh it's you know filling your life with like nature but it's also like uh I guess like the creative process of like the music that you're listening to and the design of the part uh, and just like also just giving your time or yourself time to process and whatnot.
0: Very cool. Definitely helps to get you in your zone and flow just to get out there and enjoy that vitamin D from the sun. People may be skeptical about this and I'm sure you run into your fair share of people who are a bit skeptical about what you're doing. Um, Even if they think that it works, like why not just buy debt for 10 cents and then tell people that it's forgiven or upsell them? Basically do what the debt collectors are doing, but you're doing it somewhat differently. So what evidence do you point to to show that you and your business model actually works?
1: Well, the thing is like, we haven't proven it yet. That's the thing. And so we're, we're testing. It. And so, uh, in terms of like proving that things work, like, uh, I don't want to like lead anybody to believe that we've had it figured out, uh, when we don't yet. And so like in September, we'll, we'll definitely know, you know, one way or the other. Uh, and the biggest thing is like, uh, we're, Trying to prove that it works through real data points. And, you know, like the, the reason why we don't do like what a traditional debt collector does is because I have student debt and I want to be able to do this for my student debt. Uh, we don't get there if I, you know, do the same practices that are already being done. And so, yeah, the way that I get there is uh, by doing things differently.
0: So how would you define product market fit? I mean, you're, you're going for, you want to prove that it works. When
1: will you know? I think product market fit will come when, uh, I'd say when we are probably having, I guess, like being able to bring in twice the uh, the amount of like people responding to our offering that a traditional debt collector would do. And that, that would show like, uh all right, cool, you're on to something and you've discovered something that, you know, other people haven't. And so like if we can reach that point, let's you know that like we're on to something. Let's like, you know, turn up the engine. I'll say, I mean, if
0: you're beating all the debt collectors for sure that you're going to get a lot more attention and it will likely just snowball from there. So we're sitting in Harlem right now, and it's a place where you've spent significant time uh, since you left eastern Michigan shores. Uh, So just talk about maybe Harlem's startup ecosystem itself. How does it fit into the broader New York or even Manhattan ecosystem? What are you most excited about in Harlem and what it has to offer for folks looking to move here
1: and, and get linked up to the startup ecosystem? I mean, like, you know, I'm wearing my Disrupt Harlem shirt right now. And so, like, that was the the first coding program that I did. And I think uh, one of the things, or, like, it's, like, the most probably unique thing about Harlem is, like, uh, the, the people in the community. And so uh, being able to, like, have access to a program that takes people who are, like, underrepresented in the field of technology. And then like, I guess like giving that bridge into tech, I think that that's like really exciting and it allows for like a, uh, you know, more ideas to be built that aren't necessarily like, you know, like, it allows people to be able to build that otherwise uh, weren't able to. So what does it need? What, what would it need to take it to that next level? You know, like, people can give them more money. <laughs> That'd be great. You know, like allow them to like uh, service more students and whatnot. And, you know, like, uh, I think even, like, you know, being able to, like, uh, back the things that the students build uh, in the program. Yeah, like, you know, more resources, like it's like begets more resources, as we know. Uh, and so in terms of, like, uh, you know, taking things to the next level, yeah, giving people more resources. So for those
0: of you who are considering moving to New York, Harlem, consider it to grow and expand uh, in your startup journey. Uh, but let's move the pin on this map somewhere else. You got to get out of town at least for a period of time. What startup ecosystem would you move to other than Silicon Valley
1: if you had to leave Harlem? Uh, Miami looking, looking popping on Instagram, I suppose. Uh, why not there? Why? I think, uh, so like, it, have you, have you spent winter in New York? Uh, it's, it's awful. Uh, that's why. And I know summers in Miami aren't the best either, but I think I really like being in New York City and, you know, like I would even be open to like splitting my time, uh, you know, like, most of the year in New York, and just doing the winter in Miami. That that'd be fun. I'd be into that. It's not a bad
0: rationale, and I think you might find a lot of takers there if you're looking for for a community to do that with you. Your background is multifaceted, a lot of different experiences, all leading up to this moment. Can you point to a particular moment where you really had a hard pivot that you think saved your career? Talk about that if you've
1: experienced that yet, or if this is it right now. I think, uh, saved your career is a strong, uh, phrase, uh, cause I'm still building my career at the very early stages of it. But one of the pivots that I'm most proud of is so like, uh, when I moved to New York, I actually wasn't finished with grad school. And so, uh, they were trying to make me stay an extra, like, I mean, like, you know how these schools are. They were, uh, trying to make me stay an extra calendar six months for one course. And so I decided that I had had enough of uh, in Michigan where I went to school and I was uh, ready for something new and so uh before like you know i was like three classes away from like finishing my master's degree um and i just left for new york and i don't know i just felt like there was like something more that you know i could be chasing after and so i left uh i ended up finishing uh you know like doing work online but i think moving to new york and like i guess like taking a bet on myself like when i actually like moved out here like i I didn't have like it was like a stable job so yeah i was like one of those uh (laughs) one of those weirdos but how did you make it uh so i ended up uh interviewed at a role and they ended up hiring me i didn't like that and so about i think it was like a week or two in, i quit um and yeah <laughs> and so like you know i got lucky and so like that allowed me to like have some money for like the first two months and then uh you know it was like basically I had to like i had to figure out like how i was gonna like make money within a month and lucky enough i ended up at the harlem business alliance and like that's how i got into tech yeah
0: but what did they do to take you from i'm worried about making
1: rent to You know, years later, now you're thriving. I think, like, that was, like, all part of the foundation. I think it was just, like, that first, like, uh, it's, like, overcoming, like, that first hill, right? And, like, uh, I think it's, like, that was, like, the highest hill to climb. The rest of them are smaller after that. I guess, like, when you spend, like, uh, my entire professional career had been in, like, in school. So, like, it wasn't even a professional career. I was, like, a professional student. And so, like, that was my entire identity. And, like, being, like, walking away from that, like, unfinished, it was, like, you better know what you're doing. And so... I kind of, like, had to, like, reestablish who I was mentally, and I guess i be able to, like, uh, develop the mental, like, I guess, like, wherewithal to overcome challenges that were in front of me, and know when to take a bet on myself and when not to. And so I think, like, everything after moving to New York feels just like a much smaller hurdle than, you know, like, moving somewhere, putting a job, not knowing how, like, Literally 30 days, had to figure it out and it working out. Yeah, that it was just everything feels so much smaller than like that bad. I mean, I don't know,
0: now, there are a lot of people who really don't like when their back is up against the wall like that. You know, they need uh, some security, some safety, their comfort. In fact, you maybe raised the anxiety level of some of the folks listening to this right now talking about, you know, your 30 days, two months. It's just not as much time as people think that they need. If you were going to encourage somebody to do it, first off, would you encourage somebody who wasn't already there mentally? And if they were a little bit open to it, what would you recommend for them if they only had thirty days?
1: (laughs) I wouldn't recommend that choice to people. It was a bad decision. I got lucky because you know, like I spent the time on YouTube, I knew Photoshop, I had a viable skill. And the thing is, it's not even just like having a viable skill and things worked out because I had a viable skill. I got lucky, and it was exactly what I wanted to do and so like, to get I guess like lucky in the exact role that you wanted when you moved to a new city and like and I guess like even like with it happening within 30 days of when you needed it there's just like a lot of like chance there that I wouldn't tell other people to take I tell people to like you know like make bets on themselves but I wouldn't say you know go put yourself up against the wall you know and try to make it happen in 30 days I you know, <laughs> I, li- I, like people way too much to be telling people to do that but the thing is like uh, what I was doing before. I, so I was doing like a bit of like community organizing and it, it just wasn't like the, the best environment for me. And so like, I guess like in those two weeks and what I guess like led me to like, I guess like quitting. It was just like, you know, like one day I woke up uh, and it was like, I guess like two things. It was like uh, in my mind, I was like, you know, not another day. And I guess like the the background thought there was like, you know, like when I moved here, this isn't what I envisioned moving here for. And so like, let's get on that path.
0: Love that. Glad that you made it. Luck or not. Sometimes you make your own luck, Daryl. That's just how it goes. Uh Speaking of luck, many people feel like you need that in order to reach unicorn status. So we'll ask you directly. It's one of my favorite questions, not just because of the yes or no, but because of the underlying thought process that goes into folks answering this next question, which is, do you want to run? A billion dollar company. Now that's different from starting one and passing it off. This is asking if you want to run it once you're there. So we'll pose that question to you, like we
1: have for so many
0: guests before you.
1: I think that in order for me to be able to eliminate my student debt for ten cents on the dollar, I gotta get the company to that point. And so I guess like it's less of me like uh you know it's not really like me like getting into technology because like you know I want to build a unicorn, or I want to build like a, a really big company, I want to be a billionaire like Elon. Uh, it's more so like, I just really wanted to eliminate my student debt. It was pretty simple. Uh, and like like my last step, like I had no, like, I guess like dreams of it being like a billion dollar company. It's just like, I just wanted to build something that I wanted to have in the world. And I think it's the same thing uh with Revival. And the reality is like, uh in order to get to that point, the type of resources that you'll need to be buying, like, you know, like a majority of people's student debt or like giving people like that kind of access, you're going to be running that big of a company. And it's like, it's really going to be like unavoidable. But like, that's essentially like, you know, what I signed up for when, uh, you know, revival started.
0: Very cool. As we kind of head to the finish line here, I want to ask you a question that's going to require a little bit of background. So just one block away from where we're sitting right now is my old apartment where we began hosting app launch parties for founders, where folks would come through uh, really to celebrate a founder, get 100% engagement of everybody downloading the particular piece of tech using it, giving feedback and really just enjoying ourselves over, you know, friendly beverages and hors d'oeuvres as it were. Uh so we're we'll ask you if you were attending that party and you sat through a full agenda, first off, why are we here? We're here because less than 1% of tech startup capital goes to folks in our community. Second, uh you'll have folks come in there and really center us around the atmosphere we're in because at the time my roommate, the Wall Street artist, the art surrounding the room reflected the people in the room had an interfaith blessing of the app. And then the founder would give a very short speech, four minutes. This is why I did this. Then there's a Q and A session. And that's where it really got interesting because people varied in their background experiences from, you know, experienced VCs to angels, you know, lawyers, people who just wandered in with as a plus one. Uh, but for you, let's say we give you the mic at the end. You've listened to a dynamic founder. You want to ask them a question to really, you know, have a mic drop moment, so to speak.
1: What would that be? What question are you asking that founder? <laughs> no mic drop moment. The question I would ask is, uh, are you having fun? And so uh, one of the people uh, who helped manage, like there was like a, I had multiple manager at the, uh, managers at the Harlem Business Alliance. One of them would always ask me like, you having fun? And like, sometimes the answer would be no. Sometimes the answer would be yes. But the thing is, like, uh when you're, like, you know, signing up to, like, build an app, it's a, it's a long process. And I think it's important that you have fun while doing that. How do um, you do that? Build something that you want to see <laughs> in the world that'll wake you up. And I think uh it's a, definitely a tough journey, a lot of no's, a lot of, like, failed launches, X, Y, Z, X, Y, Z. But when you finally, you know, like, get a breakthrough, it kind of, like, I guess, like, helps, like, move you forward. And, like, you kind of, like, are constantly, like, looking for, like, that next breakthrough. Uh Because eventually you'll get enough breakthroughs to, like, see that thing that you want it and work. Love that. That's how to keep it fun. Daryl Hallman Jr. Uh,
0: we've reached our penultimate question, and you may have answered this in different ways earlier in this conversation, but we'll ask you again so you can leave us with it. What is the most valuable thing that you and Revival do for your customers?
1: I think the discount that we give to borrowers uh, when they're looking to eliminate their debt is a small part of the process. And like, I guess, like in terms of the entire like financial system, like uh, we're dealing with firms and like, you know, like there's a whole pie worth of, uh, you know, like, I guess like economic opportunity out there. And so helping them eliminate their debt is like, that's good. That's great. It helps their credit score. It helps them like, you know, reduce their uh, the debt load they're dealing with. But moreover, it's an advocate uh, to help them navigate the financial system. And so like we don't want to just stop with like uh, helping people get out of debt. It's like how do you help people navigate the financial decisions they have to make in the future? And that's like ultimately what we're trying to build and who we're trying to be as a company. A very
0: noble goal,
1: I must admit.
0: Uh, and I mean that sincerely. Uh so there is one last question, although we'll take you off the hot seat and hopefully this is a an alley you uh if you're listening to this right now and you really liked what Daryl had to say about what he's doing with Uh, student loan debt uh, of smaller balances now, but who knows in the future in his journey to eliminate his own debt, uh, you like what he had to say about how to navigate tough situations. You want to learn more about the Harlem Business Alliance or what it means uh, to be a founder, you know, a front-end developer, whatever he said that really tickled your fancy. And they wanted to get in touch with you, Daryl. What is the best way that they can do that and get a response relatively quickly Around you building
1: this company. No, no. <laughs> That is an easy question. So I'm Daryl, D-A-R-Y-L, uh, at revivalfunds.com. So R-E-V-I-V-A-L-F-U-N-D-S dot com.
0: Awesome. Any other social or that's where they need to go? Uh, send me an email. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds good. So if you want to reach out to him, just got the, the email address there. Uh, and with that, we will close this out, but Daryl, we want you to have the last word. So any parting thoughts that you have for folks listening to this now? We're excited about
1: what we're building and we're looking forward to proving it out. That's, uh, I guess, (laughs) as much as I can leave you with, I hope this thing works. (laughs) Well, you heard it here. We hope it
0: worked and we'll be rooting you on. So you have even more people who are rooting for you now. Uh, But thank you for hopping into the New York studio. And until next time, we will bid you adieu. Thank you for joining this week's episode of Diverse Tech Founders Podcast. I'm Abraham J. Williamson, and we had yet another great guests to pop in. And if you enjoyed today's podcast recording, please give us a rating. You can do it right now on iTunes or Spotify or whatever medium of choice that you have, but thank you for joining and we'll see you next week.